Nobody makes it easier to stay on top of all of your health concerns than Meridian Medical Services. Hey, it's JMV. Call them today, 317-925-0811, and schedule your heart screening. I know my situation. You should, too. Make the call. It is affordable. It is easy, and you will know. 317-925-0811. Nobody's more affordable. Nobody's easier than Meridian Medical Services. Call them today, 317-925-0811. Stephen Holder, Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from ESPN.com. He joins us right here. I'm trying to think. Thank you, brother. Big Ed right there coming correct with me. Um, I'm trying to think about this for a moment. What, what stood out to you? We'll get to Anthony Richardson and some other stuff in a second. But what stood out as an ultimate positive for you to start with in that game on Saturday? You know, I actually think the offensive line, the starting offensive line, I thought they had an acceptable performance. And it's not enough. You know, I, I certainly they're going to see stiffer competition. They're going to see more more, more scheme and, and more tactics in the regular season. But, you know, I, I thought that just wanted to see them play with some, <clears throat> excuse me, with some, um, you know, some aggression. And I thought they did that. I thought that they, you know, were adequate in the pass protection. I was okay with it. And look, I, I don't think, I don't think we can compare Anthony Richardson in the pocket versus the, the quarterbacks we saw last year. So it's not apples to apples, of course, right? With this, this offensive line and what they're dealing with now. But I thought that, you know, overall, I thought it was a step in the right direction. And, and that was backed up by the availability with, with Colts people today and what they said to us. So, yeah, I think that's something to build on. It's nothing else. Yeah, and listen, I always double back, Stephen, to last year, preseason game one. The offensive line was a mess. And you know what? They were a mess the entire year. So, I yeah. mean, we, we always say, well, it's preseason, whatever. And we said that after that game a year ago, and it wasn't whatever. It was a problem the entire year. I, it is going to be so incredible if it does come down to the level of play of this group and the starters that's just different because if you want to start with the change in philosophy with Tony Sperano Jr. from that of Chris Strasser. I mean, I guess you could start right there. I guess the one thing regarding the offensive line, though, Stephen, that you look at is the lack of depth and something that Chris Ballard always wants to have and uh, seemingly has never had, and he certainly doesn't have it by the looks of it right now either. Yeah, I continue to be perplexed about that and and why that has not been a higher priority. I mean, they do have a very high uh, waiver wire priority, if you understand what I'm saying. So when, when players are waived from other teams, the Colts, Having been terrible last year, they're going to have the fourth crack at those guys on the waiver wire. Uh, basically, just it matches their draft position, yeah. right? So fourth overall pick, they'll have the fourth. Uh, they'll have they'll be fourth in the pecking order for uh, the waiver wire. But I, I still feel like that's a risky way to go. Uh, number one, you're not number one overall. That's the first thing, and then second of all, guys get cut for a reason, <laughs> you know. So. I don't know. I, I do agree with you. I think that it's a lesson I thought the Colts had learned a couple of years ago. You might recall when, you know, they had, I think in 2021, they had COVID. They had uh, injuries to guys like 
like Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly had that family tragedy, and he missed a bunch of time. So, like, they really tapped their depth that year, and the depth was pretty good, uh, to their credit. Like, Chris Ballard told us, yeah, I learned a lesson, and I'm not going to let that happen again, and he brought in some guys. And, you know, it might cost you $3 million here or $3 million there, but it matters, man. And, and when guys go down, you got to know what you have. I have been a little surprised that they have not taken a similar approach this year uh, because, look, it's really hard to keep five guys together all year long. So, I mean, look, Braden Smith's already out of the lineup. It's not a serious injury, but it's certainly enough to keep him out in that preseason opener. So, you know, just an example of what can happen. All right, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com joins us. Colts lose in Buffalo on Saturday. There's one definitive thing that I came up with after that game on Saturday. And I'm not breaking any new ground or anything like that. But one definitive thing, Stephen, I came up with is just how needed Jonathan Taylor is for this group. That's the one thing that stood out to me. I mean, everything else – I guess you could call it fluid. We'll get to the quarterback play, you know, the wide receivers, the secondary. You mentioned the offensive line. But one definitive thing is how needed Jonathan Taylor is. And the fact that both sides here can't find any common ground whatsoever, I'm sorry, if he's healthy, is ridiculous to me. It's unfortunate, and it, I will say it's almost like you're reading over my shoulder on my computer screen here because I'm kind oh, of writing I, of the course story I that am. Says as much. <laughs> I'm just I'm just drinking heavily while I do it and talk on the radio. Yeah. Well, that might be a hell of a story to read, actually. Um, <laughs> so look, be. man, it, you're onto something. There's no doubt, and I think so. Ed Dodds, the assistant general manager, he he had some time with uh, with the beat writers today, and. You know, one of the things that he said, I, I think I, I have to agree with him. I asked him, I said, look, Taylor's not out there, but I said, you know, we, we have this notion right now that they're all replaceable. BS. Okay, BS. The, the fact of the matter is, I don't care what Deion Jackson did the other day, God bless him, he had 5.8 yards per carry. But here's, here is the difference in God's own words. I said, hey, you know, we talk about these – running backs being interchangeable today. I said, why is Jonathan Taylor different? And he said it. He said, it's home run speed. He says, there's a lot of good runners out there, but those guys are not a threat to go 80 yards. That's what the Colts have right now. They have some, maybe some decent runners who might be able, you know, to, to maximize whatever opportunities they have. But, but none of those guys can do what Jonathan Taylor can do. And I think that's the difference. That's why I, I just see a difference between – guys like him and, and the Josh Jacobs of the world and, and, and guys like that because it's, it's the home run ability for me. Uh, we talk about the NFL being about explosive plays, and that's exactly why the passing game has been so prioritized, right? That is a true statement, right. and, all, and all the metrics back that up. But if you have a running back who can give you those explosive plays, I think you have to at least acknowledge that is a factor, too. So, I agree. I think the Colts are a different offense with Jonathan Taylor in the lineup, and uh, let's see if they can work something out. Don't you think this is needed, too? I mean, really. Like, i give you a great example. Like, Zach Martin uh, agreed on – and I'll, I'll say it this way. They massaged his deal. Made yeah. him feel better. He feels good. Why in the world can they not do that here? I'm assuming – that basically it's the Colts side that just says, hey, 
we're not going to do it. And I also assume that he's healthy. I mean, maybe there's a background situation here where he's not healthy and he's trying to get something that they shouldn't because of his health situation right now. I know he's on PUP. I just happen to think that that is a hold-in type of situation and has little to do with his health. But you, you saw what Dallas did. Their, their expectations are different. But it's all hands on deck with helping this quarterback evolve sooner rather than later. And to me, to have this guy final year of a deal and not at the very least try to massage and make both sides happy in this year, the first one for Anthony Richardson, is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so let's start with the Zach Martin situation. Yeah. Uh, he had, I believe, two years left on his deal, which is he did. You know, usually a, a, a line that, that teams – they don't cross that line. They, you, know, you got two years left, then, you know, look, we'll talk to you next year. And and even in spite of that, they were able to work something out. I think he's going to get $8 million in new money over the next two years. Look, $8 million grand scheme of a, an industry that that, reeks, that rakes in billions of dollars a year is not a lot of money, let's be clear, right? Uh, but but it, it, it meant something here because – you had to compromise. I think that's the bottom line. They, they had to compromise. I mean, neither party was going to get everything they wanted. Zach Martin probably wanted a hell of a lot more than $8 million. Okay. <laughs> Can we be honest? But he did yeah. get something. No doubt. And, and the Cowboys, yeah. on the other hand, they get one of their best players back on the field and, and they've got a window, the NFC, there's all, all kinds of opportunity. They see that. Right. So, I agree with you. I think you can apply that to the, the Colts situation. Look, Jonathan Taylor will have to be the one to speak to his health and what is going on because no one has given us straight answers on that. So I'm hoping Jonathan will ultimately clear that up for us. But, but be that as it may, I don't think there's anything that's going to keep him out this season. So, so he's, he's going to play football at some point, in my estimation. And, and you'd like that to be for the Colts. I'm sure the Colts would love that. Um, but, but you're right. You said – you think this is about the Colts' perspective. All I can tell you is that they haven't offered him anything, to my knowledge. And I, I think you have to wonder how both sides let it get this bad. It's just so bad and so ugly, and it's unfortunate. You know, I, and I've described it as massaging the situation. Mm-hmm here and the now and I think that's an accurate way to put it too it just it, it, it's it's funny how to me Stephen that I believe the Colts would be more apt if they wanted to to double back and you know change course to trade him then they would give him a little bit of hey be happy right now type of money in the present to make him feel better to have him on the team and I, I don't really understand why I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I I do understand kind of this approach that Chris Ballard has talked about where he, he said it on the day the players reported where he said, look, you know, we have a new coach. We have a new team. We're in transition. We won four games last year. I, I think they have taken this sort of everyone has to prove themselves approach. I think that's the vibe I'm getting there. Right. And, and I've heard that from Chris Ballard. I've heard that from a couple other parties. They, they seem to indicate or they, they appear to be indicating that they're in this sort of transitional period. And that's fine. That, that's probably true, in fact. they got a young quarterback. I get all that. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is 24 years old. He can be a part of the, 
the now and the future, at least in the, the near term. I mean, I'm not going to project five years down the road with, with a running back in the NFL. But, you know, we're talking about a guy who, as I said, is 24 and is still in his prime, very much in his prime. I mean, it is what it is. Look, are you taking an injury risk if you lock up Jonathan Taylor? Of course, there is always that risk. And, and it's probably more more pronounced at running back, but it looks like everything's relative. I mean, if you think this, this quarterback is the guy, he's going to be a lot better with John Taylor, Jonathan Taylor on the field. I, I don't know. I just I, – I agree with you, though. There's no way to resolve this without compromise. Nobody is truly wrong, and no one is going to get everything they want. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So do you think that there is really an injury situation going on right now, or is this a hold-in? Look, impossible to say. I, I know what I've been told. I've been told that, it, that he's trying to get back to 100% and, yeah. and that he, he does not wish to play until he gets to that point. And, and, and that is – I'm just telling – you know, I'm just a messenger – I'm just telling you that sure. that's what he has told the team. Now that is very much, I, I think related to last year playing at less than a hundred percent and obviously not playing up to Jonathan Taylor's standards. So he, it's, it's really important to him as I understand it to, to start the year at a really good place where he feels like, all right, I have a good starting point. Obviously, that's not going to last. You're going to get beat up. That's just the nature of the, of the position. But, you know, I, I do get it from that perspective. Now, the, the truth is, <laughs> at some point, you do have to prepare for the season. So I do think there's, there's a clock running here at some point where Jonathan Taylor has to have some practice and has to get some work in. I mean, he hasn't practiced since last year. So that's also a, a factor here. And the other part of it is, I mean, what do you think that deadline is for him? I mean, I was thinking I about know. this the other yeah. day. When, when, when does he need to be back? Because we're talking about him in terms, you know, being productive for this team. But if he half-assed it and doesn't play and then gets back just in time for the start of the season, I don't know how much good that does anybody. Would you agree? Well, I mean, it, it, it's not a recipe for success. <laughs> That's for sure. And we'll yeah. have to see what we'll, we'll have to see how long, you know, where, where that line is different for every player, I think. And, and it's different for different positions. Uh, I, I do think that there would be a lot of benefit to, to Jonathan Taylor practice. Anthony. You know, certainly those guys have to be kind of in the, on the same page. And, and Taylor did have some difficulty in pass protection last year. He's got to fix that. That's the one weakness in his say. His pass protection has, has got to be tightened up. Whether he plays here or somewhere else, like that, that's going to have to be something he, he works on. Little things can be working on in, in practice during training camp right now that are not happening. So, you know, that's to everyone's de- detriment, for sure, that, that that can't happen right now. So Stephen Holder with us. Have the Colts doctors not cleared him? I mean, that's what it appears. Yeah. I mean, Shane Steichen yeah. has told us Jonathan Taylor will be out there when the medical staff clears him. Now, as to what Jonathan Taylor's conversations are with the medical staff and what he is telling them about how he feels, I can't speak to any of that clearly, but, but that is, 
that is the way this is supposed to work. Uh, the medical staff gives him the green light, and and then the player goes on and, and continues about his business. Uh, you know, so, yeah. this situation, at least so far, um, it, it does involve the player taking an active role, it looks like, at least. Let me be clear. It, it appears the player, Taylor, is taking a more active role in deciding how things go. I, I think most of the time, here's how it works. Most of the time, a guy and he rehabs, he rehabs, he rehabs, and he, he tells the coach, I really want to get out there. And, and the coach says, hey, well, when the doctor says you're good, you're good. And then they can't wait. Stephen Holder rejoins from ESPN.com. I had mentioned this before you got cut off. There was no mention regarding Chris Ballard when he met with you guys back at the start of camp. This is why I'm so skeptical about how all this, all this is going going down right now. You know, and how much how much of uh, how much we know, I guess, compared to how much they're not saying and they're not going to say. That's why I'm very skeptical about it all. You mean no mention about him going on the, the PUP list initially? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now yeah. he's been on this for so long. That's why I've, yeah. I've called it, in my opinion, and it could be completely wrong that this is more of a hold-in than it is anything else. Look, I'll, all I'll tell you is, well, first of all, you are correct. We we did not – we were not informed of that. We were informed of the other two players, which I believe was Tyquan Lewis and uh, – I forget, there was one other. Um, anyhow, so – now, Chris Ballard did tell us on the day, on report day, when he spoke to the media, he did say, look, there are still some guys seeing the trainers and checking yeah. in. So he kind of left the door open. But I, but I do, I will tell you this. Look, I, I've kind of left some breadcrumbs along the way on this story. So I'll go back to one that I left. Uh, I would say the Sunday before players reported, uh, I was on SportsCenter. They asked me about Jonathan Taylor. And that situation, and I, you know, I made reference to the comments he made in, in June about the, the running back situation, and and then I said something like, paraphrasing my own quotes here, you know, the next big question is what happens when Jonathan Taylor reports? Does he report? And if he does report, how does he proceed? Well, that was a breadcrumb. I thought something might happen there, and it, it did happen. Right? It wasn't a normal report and go practice situation right so uh there was there was some mysterious stuff you know at at play there and i don't know all the details i'm just telling you i can tell something was up and so that was that that was the case there and then you know the other thing i would say that the breadcrumb has been you know the, the trade stuff I there was some smoke about that and then uh mentioned that reported that and then the, you know the next day we learned that there was a trade request so I don't know. You know, it's it's been a weird story all along, and all I can tell you is what I know and and what I am hearing and seeing. Um, and we'll see. I, I think we need to hear from Jonathan. That would help if we hear from Jonathan Taylor. It would obviously answer a lot of questions. Would you expect him to come off a of PUP this week? I have no expectation at all. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think they feel like. Well, let me rephrase that. I, I think the reality is there's still a month left. And I think what you have here, at least what it appears, is that you've got two sides trying to wait each other out. It, yeah. it feels that way. Like you have two parties trying to wait for the other, you know, to make to make a move. Um, and, and I can also tell you that, look, I mean, the, the trade possibility, you cannot take that off the table. That is still 
a possibility. So I, I, I imagine, I imagine that, you know, at least if you're Taylor, you want to see how that plays out, you know, before you commit to anything. I don't know, but I have no idea if that's going to happen. You know, it, it's it's going to be tough. I do I do think it's going to be tough to 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 trade him uh, for the price that, that the Colts likely want. Uh, if the Colts trade him, if they're going to have to maybe take a concession there and just you know call it a resolution as opposed to getting exactly what they want, that might be tough. Yeah, and, and first of all, what, what, what in the world are you going to get? I mean, you're going to get so low-balled by everybody. I mean, come on. Yeah, they're getting nothing. Well, you're just, getting, you're, just getting a, you're just getting a solution to a problem is all of this. You're not yeah. getting what you really want, which is, you know, what they would want is some, you know, probably some first or second round pick. Well, that ain't going to happen, right? So I think you have to decide, you know, what can you – except to save face. This is hypothetical. I'm just saying, if they were to agree to a deal, you have to, you have to ask yourself, you know, what would allow us to save face? And then the other part of the equation is they do have a problem on their hands. They have a very unhappy player. who's a very good player and very popular in that locker room. So, you know, what do you do? Do you want that guy in your locker room all year? Is that going to be a problem? How do you navigate that? So if you trade him, if you can get something that you can stomach then at least you resolve that issue. But it doesn't make you a better team, obviously. We're going to find out the resolution when they peel his poster off the side of the building, I guess, <laughs> at Lucas Oil Stadium. This morning. Oh, man, find what out a what the hell's happening there. Uh, no, no doubt. Hey, before I let you go quickly, too, um, Anthony Richardson it was a, a bad scene, no doubt, with that interception. But yep. it appeared to me, regardless of what went down, Um, that he did become more comfortable. That was good, and I thought it magnified. That's why I mentioned Jonathan Taylor to you. It magnified just how good those around him are going to have to be, especially his wide receivers, to make him and help him grow in his rookie season. I thought we saw a lot of that in that first quarter that he played on Saturday. Yeah, you you have to allow rookies the space to make mistakes. Now, when they're at quarterback, those mistakes are, are certainly magnified, but it is what it is. I mean, they're still going to make mistakes. They, they are. That is a fact. I don't care if you're the first pick, the fourth pick, the, the 44th pick. It doesn't matter. So, so that's going to happen. And, and the Colts understand that. I think they're willing to live with it. Um, you know, I would say, look, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, he's a veteran. And, you know, that can't happen. Now, I, now, Anthony Richardson has to not compound the mistake by making a bad decision on top of it. But certainly – um, Isaiah McKenzie, it's interesting, uh, real quick, if you look at the tape, and I did briefly, before the snap, Isaiah McKenzie points at the safety like, hey, hey, something's up here. <laughs> and then apparently, the way I read it, he doesn't adjust his route accordingly the way he should have to let Anthony make the hot throw. So, you know, little things. But, look, I, I also don't think they game plan for a blitz and all that. So I'm okay with it. It's going to happen. It's fine. Better that it happens in, in early August than, uh, you know, then early September. All right. Well, they're back at it tomorrow. We'll see if we find out anything more. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Always a pleasure. And I'll see you out there. We can chat again right. Wednesday or Thursday. I'll be out there for those joint practices with the Bears. Oh, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, you know where to find me. 
Yep. Under the, I'll be under the tent and nice, nice and cool and calm and collected right there. Yeah, dr- drinking, the a, drinking a drinking a frosty drink or something probably too. Frosty <laughs> frosty beverages will be there too. There's no doubt. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. See <laughs> Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He is a short timer for the morning show. At the end of this week, he is off to do the middays from noon until 3. He is a longtime friend of this show. Had a busy weekend out at IMS with all the racing going on. Jake Query joins us. Hello, Jake. John, my first question is, is it going to be mm-hmm. new experience for you? In the And I know you're on location a lot and who wouldn't want to be on location at Twin Peaks because literally you can see like small chunks of ice in the beer it is so cold there yes um, but is it going to be a unique experience for you at three o'clock when you go are going in the studio but not have to like repath yourself going in so that like as I'm leaving <laughs> will that be yeah yeah yeah. Well, I, I think I've told this story before. Um, how long have I been there now? Uh, 14 going on, uh, going to be 14 years I've been there. And we started, when I first started, we had, and this was the bosses then, yeah, and David Wood was a part of this, I believe, at the very early stages. We had a crosstalk built in between me and Dan, and that lasted two days. <laughs> Literally. That lasted two days of crosstalk. Two days of crosstalk, and uh, I think we, we kind of got into it on a debate, and that was that. Two days. So, so I'm assuming our crosstalk so, will last much longer than that. So if I make it to Wednesday, I'm a step ahead of the game. <laughs> yes. Two days. I'm serious. Two days, I think we both said, to hell with this. I'm not doing this. And that was that. So true fair, story. Fair enough. Well, I look forward to it. <laughs> Nah, man, it's going to be exciting. Congratulations to you on that. And I know Jimmy, Jimmy Cook, who is incredibly worthy, too, is going to be a part of your show a great deal as well. And then Candy, or I should say uh, Kevin Bowen, gets uh, Andy Sweeney from Louisville to start the uh, new morning show coming up this time next week. So everything is incredibly exciting. Did you get a feeling of excitement out at IMS for the two days you were out there? And I mean out there a lot. You know, I, yeah, Saturday was a long day. I mean, it was fun, but just the weather-wise, it was a long day. The wet, the, the rain, and then, you know, it was sunny and it was hot. I, I, I'll say this. I thought the race in particular, the IndyCar race, the end of it between Dixon and Rahal was really good. I mean, like, I thought Graham Rahal, Graham, poor Graham Rahal ran a flawless race, and they had a great, you know, everything. He did everything that he could do, but Scott Dixon just had, as always is the case, Mike Cole pulled the right strategy, and Scott Dixon got out front and 
and then it just became – so that last 10 laps was exciting to watch Graham try to reel him in. But to your point, I mean, the bigger picture obviously would be the fact that – you know, I was asking somebody the other day, I mean, the two things to me that are just almost impossible to explain to somebody who hasn't been around, what the media coverage and the interest level and the local a- angle of it for two events, let's say from 1998 to today, the NFL Combine 25 years ago was literally like you went down and you tried to get a quick five-second soundbite from some coach in the Omni lobby because that was as close as you could get to it. And 90% of people didn't even realize it was here in Indy. And now it's like a national, nonstop, you know, media coverage. It's a convention, basically. And then on the other side of that, you know, the Brickyard with an NASCAR weekend in August at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway had all eyes of the country here and a quarter of a million people and events all week long and the RCA done being rented out by Dodge. And, you know, now it's obviously gotten down to an esoteric event for race fans and for fans of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I, you know, yesterday was a good race because it was clean. I thought there was some good racing, like probably mid-pack back. But again, they've got to figure out, you know, from a road course standpoint, I think they are probably going back to the Oval next year. Or it's certainly being explored. There's no secret about that. Does that reinvigorate? And do you have to every four or five years kind of pump juice into it? You know, I'm not certain. I, I don't know what the exact answer is. Um, but it was a good weekend in terms of the weather. The crowd was better than I anticipated. I will admit that. So I guess in that respect, it was good too. So... I did not know this until I was actually watching it yesterday. Would we describe Jensen Button as like the spin doctors and what happened to them from the 90s until now? God, Is that Jensen I, Button? I was thinking about this. I mean, John, I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm like, he was a Formula One world champion. He was. He was world champion. And, and then you know, yesterday he was a back marker. He was a back marker in NASCAR. It was weird. So it's almost like when you hit big with Little Miss Can't Be Wrong and Two Princes and then to now. That's what that reminded me of, the spin doctors. I mean, you're not lying. I, you know, then again, I mean, I remember watching Jacques Villeneuve run at the back on the oval, on the oval in a mm-hmm. stock car. So you know, I think right. the difference, I will say this. I mean, obviously, Jensen Button and Jacques Villeneuve were at the end of their careers at this point, right? Dario Franchitti yeah. once said to me, and I'm sure I've repeated it to you, but I think it's interesting. When Franchitti went over to NASCAR, I asked him after the fact once. I said, hey, what was that like? You know, I mean, he got hurt, so he didn't really get his, his footing underneath him. But Franchitti said, man, it literally was like going from driving a Corvette every day to driving a school bus. It's yes, it's four wheels and a steering wheel, but it's just totally different. Everything about it is different, and I, and I, you know, I, I think it's really difficult for any driver to just get in one of those if you're not used to the weight of a stock car. It's a totally different animal, but it is fascinating. To your point, I mean, I was watching yesterday and I thought, wait a minute, like Jensen Button, like the last time that he would have been here would have been like in the. I'm sure he ran yeah. the U.S. Grand Prix and like probably had to have like a diff, you know an alias where he checked in at the Conrad, and now I think he's staying at like a Knights Inn in Crawfordsville. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the Knights Inn there at Harding in '69 and 465. Right? I said, what, what's a, what's what's upon a time like Tony, Donnie, and I looked at the reviews and they said my room had blood on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> 
my room had blood on the floor. That's a good one right there. No, but it's what I thought about yesterday. I didn't even know he was in it. And then all of a sudden, and they barely mentioned him. Oh, by the way, there's Jensen Button. You know, and they just yeah. went on. It was weird. You know, I will say this, and I've mentioned this to you also probably 20 times. I think I mentioned this to you like three or four weeks ago. Cause it, I, it, sometimes it's hard for me, John, my apologies, to remember if it's this, like mm-hmm. with you or the mornings when I mentioned stuff. There's a fascinating YouTube video, and it's, it's like a VHS tape that just some guy taped in like 1989, and it's literally like the 12 and under or 13 and under go-karting championships of some rural area of England. And it's the championship round, and it's Mark Taylor, who later drove an IndyCar, Jay Howard, Dan Weldon, Justin Wilson, and Jensen Button. Those are like five of the like twelve drivers in this like twelve year old go karting competition. It's fascinating. Yeah, that is but pretty cool, right there. Jake Query. The next minute, yeah. you're running NASCAR. Now, yeah, you know, I, I guess that you know, if you made all that money, you can afford to go blank around a little bit. Totally. So you know, I mean, you know what? Well, that's, like that's a cool part of it. Get it right. You know. Yeah. It seems like if you wanted to do that, it'd be great if you could do it. That's why so many of these guys end up missing the mark. They're not able. Like one of these days, you think one of these days we'll see Lewis Hamilton like in this? <laughs> I mean, it just, it is weird. It is just I really odd. It, but you know, but the same thing is true, though, John. I think it's true for all of us, right? Like, I mean, there have been times where I have stepped out of my comfort zone to do something that probably wasn't necessarily on par with what I'd done for a long time. But it's like, yeah, I want to try something different or I want to see if I can do it or I want to just be able to say I checked that box. I, you know, I don't know that that's the case. Surely Jensen Button had to know going into it that he was not going to be running like towards the front. But, you know, running on a road course, at a, and it's not like they were – you know, I mean, Indianapolis road course, sure, it's not it's not the IMS Oval, but it's still, I mean, he's, you know, he's familiar with it. So, and it's a, it's a, it's still a hallowed ground at the end of the, at the end of the day. So, yeah, I get it, but you're right. I mean, it was, you know, Kevin Harvick's another one. I mean, yesterday, like halfway through the race, I'm looking down and I'm calling the race. I was an oval turn two. So like that's turns 10 of the road course. And every once in a while you see a car, like when you're calling a race, you know, you know that you've got to pay attention to the, like, the, like it's for me, it's interesting with NASCAR because I don't normally call NASCAR. Right. So my eye doesn't have the automatic, like if I'm calling an IndyCar race and a car, like give me a number off the top of your head, John, right now, just give me a number six. Okay. So car, like if I'm sitting there calling an IndyCar race and car number six goes by, like, you yeah. know, in years past, I see six, I'm like Sam Hornish and the team Penske, you know, whatever, like your, your, your eye just automatically catches it. And, you know, now I'd see six and I'm like, Felix Rosenquist, you know, the Arrow McLaren, you know, the, the light blue with the, the papaya orange. In, in NASCAR, I'm not as familiar with that. So I know I've got to pay attention to like the top six or eight cars and, and just always yeah. be aware of who's running in that top six or eight. Midway through the race, there was a car, like kind of a back marker that was holding somebody up. And I looked down and I'm like, number one, I'm like, man, is that Kevin Harvick? And I'm like, I, we didn't see Kevin. You know, Kevin Harvick is one of the, I mean, hell, they gave him a, you know, they honored him before the race for his contributions to the Speedway. He's been one of the great drivers out there. Man, Father Time's undefeated, right? I mean, it happens to all of us. Hey, I got a question for you. Jake Quarry joins us, and then I'll get on to the Colts and Buffalo from Saturday. Um, what are the comparisons? And, and this is not how I feel. I guess I'm indifferent. 
But Bill Elliott is a guy that is universally loved, and then most racing fans think his son's a crank. Is there a comparison modern day to that, or maybe from the past, where, hey, that guy's dad is awesome and his son's kind of a crank? Boy, there's got to be, right? Um, I feel like there's one that's, like, right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Ken Griffey? But I don't know. Was Ken Griffey beloved, though? I think most people um, think Ken Griffey Jr. I think so. I think so. I think was most, he not? I believe most Reds yeah. fans think Ken Griffey Jr. was a was a, a diva horses blank, right? But they love right. Ken Griffey. Um, that's a really good. That's I mean, a really what, good about, what about what uh, about what about Wolfgang Van Halen? Does everybody love him? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> His father's absolutely <laughs> worshipped, right? Yeah. I mean, even no longer with us, worship. I don't know. How does everybody feel about Wolfgang? They like him, Wolfie? They like his mom. Yeah. Right. I still, I had a huge crush. One day at a time style right there. I love you, you Barbara Cooper. I did. Barbara, I love me some Babs Cooper. I, man, I feel like there's like an obvious one here, right? Oh, I'm sure there is, and I'll probably get him inside the lounge via YouTube Live or via Twitter. It just occurred to me because, you know, I was thinking about this. I was, I was mowing late yesterday, and it just kept occurring to me, Awesome Bill from Dawsonville was one of the better nicknames of all time. And Bill Elliott was so just incredibly dominant in the 1980s. You know, Bill Elliott, Bill Elliott, everybody loved him. And it seems like while Chase Elliott is incredibly talented, that people find reasons why they want to hate him. And I don't know if that's within good reason or if that's just people being cranks themselves, but it kind of feels that way. Okay, I'll give you two in open wheel racing. Mm-hmm. And, and I love, I like both these guys a great deal. But Marco Andretti, I think Michael Andretti, probably a better one would be Michael and Mario, see, right? But see, people didn't like Mario. I mean, people, Mario no, right. like, had, to, had to retire before people liked him. That, that's that's fair. Um, okay, what about – and I love Graham Rayall, but he's pretty polarizing. There are a lot of people that, that don't like Graham. And Bobby, I think, was right. pretty well liked. That's a good right? one. That, that's, a good, that's a good one in terms of IndyCar right there is, but I'll tell is you how what, some man. feel of Graham. Yeah. And listen, and I, it's not my job. My job is to be objective. But I'll tell you this. Um, on numerous occasions, I've gotten to see Graham Rahal's generosity and his loyalty and his heart to people, not to me, but just to people in general. Yeah. Um, and I will always, I will run through a wall for Graham Rahal. But, so I'm probably a bad example on that. But I know that there are people that, that think that he's, you know, that he's Bobby Rahal's kid. Right. Now, it just, it, it occurred to me with, with Chase Elliott in mind, because I, I don't know, does Bill Elliott have uh, somebody that's not a fan? I mean, at all? Does he have anybody that doesn't like? Seems like everybody universally right. loves him, and for the most part, they just like his son. So, but yeah, no doubt know. he was a beloved figure. Who knows? Right, so Jake Query is with us. All right, here's the one thing, and there was nothing definitive. I thought that Saturday went for the Colts exactly how I expected, especially in terms of the quarterback. We'll dive into that in a second. But are you with me on this? Is it? This hard, and again, if healthy, to understand how stinking necessary Jonathan Taylor is to this team right now and for the growth of this quarterback right now. And I thought that that was magnified on Saturday. And I, I don't 
there must be something else completely unknown to me going on as to why this situation in some form or fashion could not be massaged and at least for a year the final year of a contract, make this dude happy to get him out of his hold-in or whatever it is and back on the field because he is necessary for this team now and the growth. And I thought that that was magnified on Saturday. What say you? Here's the problem. I don't disagree, but where you and I do disagree a little bit, I think, is he is necessary towards the, the growth of Anthony Richardson. Agreed. Okay? But he would be necessary towards their improvement to win games this year. Also agreed. But the second one, I don't think is of interest to them. I don't think they're worried about that. I mean, sure, they don't want to go out and go 0-17. But for the Colts this year, it's all about one thing, and that is the improvement of Anthony Richardson. And if I'm Jonathan sure. Taylor, I'm saying, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm saying, look, I want to be the best running back to win games and make money. I'm not worried about developing a young quarterback that is going to hit his prime by the time they've shipped me up elsewhere. Like, if I'm Taylor, I'm looking at it going, look, I put myself in position to hit my second contract with a team that you told me I was going to have a, a, a solid quarterback play where we were going to make our push here. And instead, you're asking me to begin my second contract, A, for not as much money as I want, and B, as part of a rebuild. It's not what I want. It's not what I want to do. So I think that's where the divide happens. Yeah, and again, that's why I have to remind everybody every time. I do realize that maybe there is a significant health issue going. I, I just, I, I just sitting here right now, I don't quite believe that. I think it's more of a a hold in in what we see from him right now than it is anything else. But I, I just, for the life of me, I don't like Zach Martin. I said this before you came on. They reworked his deal to make him happy right now. And you would have thought that, you know, Jerry Jones, they were going to be, you know, taking money out of his couch cushions, you know, to give directly to, to a guard. And he was so offended by that. But they came together. Different situation. But, but here, because obviously okay, they have different this challenges my, and expectations. Yeah. Here, here's my thinking on it, okay? So let me ask you two questions. Mm-hmm. The first, how many seasons do you think it will be before Anthony Richardson is – is ready to be like turn three. up the wick, let him loose, fully three. confident. Has three. Okay. How many seasons yeah. do you think Jonathan Taylor has left in him as an elite running back? Um, at least two. Is that fair? Okay, that's fair. So, you know, it, but, but this is up. also the price you pay when you build this thing bass backwards. Like Chris totally. Ballard has so, done. So what I'm saying to you is, I mean, this is the what price I'm saying is we just proved the point that the timelines don't add up. Because if you're Jonathan mm. Taylor, you're saying, I got three mm. years left. By your, by your standard, two, but I'll say three, two to three years left of, of elite level play. And you're asking me to do that with a guy that's not even ready to go full throttle. So I'd rather go somewhere right now where I can win. Because I've only got two, I've only got, you know, NFL standards, I got two to three years left. So. So I'm going to do what I can to force them to ship me out. I don't think it's going to work, but I think that's what he's trying to do. I'll ask you this. Could be completely wrong. I mean, it's just the way it is, the nature of the running back position. But if you wanted to create the most value possible in getting a new deal, helping out this team and just to completely hit over the head, obvious need, 
at running back. Would you not do that if you're Jonathan Taylor, if you were healthy and able? And again, you look at the Colts and how much of a need this is for them. I, I just if what we know on the surface of all this is accurate, and let's just say, for example, there's there's nothing more to go on here. This seems so incredibly silly to me. This is so silly for where the Colts are and what they need and for where Jonathan Taylor is and what he needs, how he needs to add to his value, how the Colts need somebody to help out you know, the value and the evolution of their quarterback. This is also incredibly silly to me. John, I hate to sit here and play both sides because it doesn't make for great radio, but I 100% understand where Jonathan Taylor's frustration is but I 150% understand why for the Colts, that's not necessarily their problem. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the Colts are like, Hey, you're under contract. You're getting paid. It's a contract you agreed to and signed to. If you don't like it, then, and I, you know, I think they probably at this point, I don't know that they tag him actually, but I would have thought for sure they were going to tag him assuming everything was copacetic. But as it stands right now, I understand it. I understand why Jonathan Taylor would say, look, I'd rather go right now to Buffalo or to, you know, insert name of team that's, a, that, that's real close and on the cusp, you know, the, the Chargers or the Lions or, you know, whatever some team that, that looks like they're ready to make, to make the next step. I get it. I would not want to be part of a rebuild and the Colts are in a rebuild. I, I totally get it. But at the same time, if I'm the Colts, I'm saying, look, but, but Kevin Bowen has made this point every morning for like, months now and it's a great point and, and it is if the quarter if the running back is a position that you don't value enough to sign to big second contracts then don't burn a second round pick on and that's a fair point no then and, and that's that's what i talked about this whole thing has been built backwards i mean normally you build around the quarterback you're and build right. out that way and now you're building around the quarterback from inside out and yeah and you're doing things differently for taylor than you did for, you know, equally uneventful positions as far as what is necessary on this team. So, and I just, I don't think, and, and certainly this game Saturday didn't change my mind. I just don't think there's anything more obvious about what has gone down than this guy's going to need help. I mean, he's going to need help. You talk about earning your money, Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, because these balls aren't going to be easily thrown into catchable windows here. They're going to have to stretch and make some incredible catches. And you know what else? Every time one goes off their fingertips, even if it's close to incredibly uncatchable, we're all going to say, well, it touched their hands, touched their fingers. They should have caught it because you want so badly to help out a quarterback that his biggest uh, lack of quality he has as a rookie is his accuracy. I mean, it's, these guys right. are going to have that on their shoulders all season long. I, and I just – look, they have two guys that can probably get behind the defense and get themselves open. But I, I still maintain, like, tight ends are going to be important for him. He's got to get court, He's got to get some receivers that can allow him to get in rhythm. You know, it's like, John, you, you played a lot of basketball, you know. Back when you were a kid and you'd be playing 21 with your buddies or if you're playing horse, whatever it might be, if your shot's just not falling, you get yourself to the free throw line and, and go with the higher percentage shots just to get yourself in rhythm. And then you start going for the long threes. And Anthony Richardson's like the other way around. Like he comes out and he's ready to fire from Steph Curry range, but it's the short rhythm ones that, that he has problems with. He's got to get those under yeah. his belt and get those before he can then move outward. 
you know, it's funny about that too, Jake, in closing, that those those big plays, like the touch he put on that, that ball to Alec Pierce, that's what's going to keep Colts fans interested in wanting to see more. You know what I mean? It's not like you're yeah. just throwing these dinks and dunks, but you know, they're going to want to see him in those situations. That brings a level of excitement that also is going to be necessary in this season that expectation-wise is just not – going to be ultimately what Colts fans want. All right, you guys are at Colts camp tomorrow. I'm there Wednesday and Thursday. What you guys doing tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow we've got, I, I, I think they said Kylan Grant is going to come by and join us in the probably before 8 o'clock. And then right. you know, obviously we're on site. And then actually Andy Sweeney, who you'll hear more from starting on Monday because he's going to be filling in with, you know, taking over with Kevin um, and doing the morning show with them. Uh, he will be joining us at 9 o'clock. So kind of an introduction of Andy as well so people can get to know who it is that they're going to be listening to before, um, you know, hopefully then they listen for me to, to me from 12 to 3 with Jimmy Cook and then you 3 to 7 next week. Some crosstalk. And I bet you our crosstalk will last more than two days. Six, 3 to 6. Yeah. I'm not trying our to talk will last. Our crosstalk right. will last more than two days. <laughs> Come Wednesday, we're starting a nine-year mute session. <laughs> I, I thought – I was trying to think what it was about, but I think um, – I, I think I laughed at something that I thought was funny when it was said. And I think Dan took uh, offense to me laughing at something I thought was funny, that he meant as serious and not as funny, and I laughed at it. So we had a back and forth there, and that was it. Two days, that was it. Well, we'll make it to Wednesday, I promise. No promises come Thursday. <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate that. We'll see you later on this week at our golf outing Friday. That's right. Friday will be there. Back nine. Look forward to it. Hey, fans want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy it floors to your home. Right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot? That's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who.